I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. I'm at Sundance live at the festival, and I am joined by filmmakers Matthew Ritz and also Sandor Musso. You have brought to the festival the movie Deep Rising, and it talks about the mining of the bottom of the sea. So... Nobody goes down there. There's nothing there. Why should we care that the bottom of the sea is being mined? So, uh, yeah, first, maybe is, uh, mining is not, didn't start yet. So we are in uh, exploration mode. So the industry is trying to figure out what is the possibility of, of mining the, the seabed in terms of its economic, in terms of its technology, and in terms of legal uh, frame, framework. So it's, it's not done yet. Uh, it's not didn't start yet, what I mean. Okay. Uh, and why we should care? I mean, we have... Uh, See, that, what, what you just mentioned, uh, it is a, it's a very common uh, um, representation what everybody in the world thinks. In the bottom of the sea, there is nothing, it's dark, there is no life. Actually, that's a huge mistake. Because the deep sea, the deep sea is, the, is the thing that is collecting all the CO2 that we are producing in the atmosphere. There is no other thing in the world that does that. It's the deep sea. And what the people are thinking to do in deep sea mining is to disturb all this sediment water interface up to 20 to 30 centimeters. But you say, oh, but 20 centimeters is one feet. It's nothing, right? Actually, no, because 20 centimeters in age is more than 20,000 years old sediment that you're going to be disturbed. So you're going to take back to the surface 20,000 years of collecting CO2. So the, the impact they are going to have is huge. There is another, another dimension to that. The land mining, right? We know everything in land mining and the old mess they do, environmental impact. But we are talking about tens of square, square kilometers only. Tens of 20, maybe 30 square kilometers, a big mine. Chilean mine, for example, the open pit uh, copper mine is 15 square kilometers. And you can see it from the satellite, yeah. right? Every single site that is going to be mined, and I think probably if we don't do anything, it will be mined, is 3,000 square kilometers. 3,000 square kilometers. I hope that the people who are listening to this pay attention to what I'm saying. 15 square kilometers compared with 3,000 square kilometers. Furthermore, right now, right now, worldwide, in every single ocean, there is a concession for exploration with the idea to exploit the deep sea. 31 contracts. And in one area, in the Clarence Clipperton zone between Baja California and Hawaii, there are 17 contracts already signed, paid. Each contract paid half a million dollars to the International Seabed Authority, which is supposed to be the one protecting the deep sea. So that's the legal part that uh, Matthew was mentioning that is not that. So this is, is, this is a serious matter, yeah. and we need to act now. I was at a panel that you were at, uh, Matthew, where you had talked about all the CO2 that's been produced so far 
which has created our climate change, is only 5% of the entire globe's surface. The other 95% is in the deep sea. In the deep exactly. sea. And we're already seeing the effects of just messing with 5% of, right. of the world. Of biomass. Of the biomass, yeah, yeah. yeah. The release of it. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, when, when, when uh, life dies, it releases, you know, the, the sinking to the deep ocean. So you're releasing back uh, CO2 in, into the atmosphere. So what are some of the things we can do to change? I mean, I would think that the big reason that oil companies specifically are looking to mine the bottom of the sea is, you know, we're running out of minerals on the earth surface. So if they don't mine, but we need more resources, what are some things we can do? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just basically the same, same mindset, same paradigm of extraction that is moving from one form of extraction to another. So extracting finite, finite, finite uh, material, basically, you know, um, fossil fuel is, is, is the end to it. Nickel is the end to it. So it's, we cannot afford to go after finite yes. resources. So we need now to move to the most abundant element, like green hydrogen, or, or phosphate, or um, iron, or aluminium that is widely available, and we can produce energy with all of it. And, and what you just mentioned is, is uh, I, I really like like your 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 approach, because uh, you are telling us and the and the world what everybody knows so far. We have a shortage of minerals. That's that's the business companies telling you, not the planet. If you go in every single street around your country, how many of the wires that they are hanging that you see that being used? Not all of them. Right. And they don't take the old ones. Why? Because the system wants to keep demanding to the privatization to produce, to produce, and that keep the GDP high, right? Okay, yeah. So, but the best example of that, I did that one in my city. I collected seven kilometers of, in, in a road, all the wire that they were not being used, as permission, of course, to the government and the police, <laughs> otherwise being jailed, right. right? And then what I did, I waited. How much copper do they have? There are seven tons of copper. Now, if I go to a, the, the Chukikamata open mines and I take a rock and I produce, I want to produce one kilo, one kilo of copper, I will produce eight kilograms of CO2. So, can you imagine? Eight kilos for one kilo of copper. If I reuse the copper that is not being used and is hanging in all the on all poles, it's only one kilo per kilo of copper. Do we have, do, are we missing minerals on Earth? No, we are not missing it. That is a mistake and it's a fallacy that the industry is telling everybody, so we will chip in. Also, let's go and do deep sea mining. But it's not true. It, there, is not, there is enough material already on land processed as an element. Remember that when you take a mineral, you cannot, you cannot take the rock and have copper. No, I have to crush it. I have to treat it with acid with heat, with hydrogen, to reduce the atmosphere so I can separate metals that I want, and then I get the metal. What we need is the element, not the mineral. And that process, the metallurgy, is a huge, it's a huge amount of CO2 in every single step of the way. So these people that they are talking about, to go deep sea mining, to solve the problem of CO2, is another lie. Because they're only talking about extraction. But to, in order to have all the minerals that they said they need, for the transition to mobility, electric mobility, you still need to do metallurgy. So you will still produce CO2. 
Yeah. So what is the solution? It's not a solution. It is an opportunistic business opportunity for two or three people to make rich, to become rich. Matthew was mentioning this. We need to move away from finance, ideas of mineral. Why don't we use phosphate? Why don't we use graphite? Why don't we use hydrogen? It's everywhere. Nobody can control it. That's why. Because you cannot control it. You'd mentioned that in the panel that I, that I went to earlier about phosphate. Where, where do we get phosphate? How do we, and how could we that be used? So the, the Chinese, I mean, it's, they have iron phosphate batteries, and it's been known for a very long time. But um, it's all about, like, the efficiency of the battery, how long it takes to charge, how long the, the charge will, will hold in the battery, the size of the battery, all these things. Uh, lithium is a very important component of, of a battery, but it's also a mistake to think that lithium is, is, is difficult to find. There's actually a lot of lithium, and you can extract lithium from seawater. You can, so the, the real problem is, is really a, a cobalt and, and, and nickel. Um, and the Chinese, so they build this, those batteries called iron phosphate batteries. Uh, it's a very big company actually in China called BYD. And now um, most, if not all, the, the cars in China, domestic cars, have no, no nickel and no uh, cobalt. But they're not exporting those cars for domestic markets. But they are as good, if not better, than a Tesla. So what is quite interesting is, you know, we think we don't have a solution, but we have them. And it's really built, especially in the U.S., really built around this idea that, I mean, the Tesla, actually the Tesla uh, uh, narrative is fundamentally wrong. In, in, not in an electric car, in a type of, of chemistry they, they've been using. And, and the thing also is, um, is what you, the, the whole concept of having uh, uh, the gigafactories, because that's another very important point that people talk about, like, how, you know, okay, you have, a, you have a Tesla, you have an EV, but where are your energy coming from? Of course, if you burn uh, diesel or if you burn uh, fossil fuel, uh, or coal, you know, to, to, to power your EV, it doesn't make any sense. So the brilliant idea is a gigafactory. So massive amount of green energy store, stored, and then you, you, you charge your Tesla. The idea is brilliant. The very, very big problem with it is a gigafactory is made up of battery made of nickel. So the CO2 goes back to Indonesia. So you don't produce CO2 in, in the U.S. soil, but massive amount of CO2 in the production of tearing down rainforest, uh, uh, transforming the, the topsoil into, into nickel, actually by powered by very cheap coal. So massive amount of CO2 somewhere, somewhere else on the planet. So, but we have solution. Again, we have green energy, for instance. So you can transform uh, the, sol the solar energy in the U.S. in all those places like Nevada where we have so much sun into green energy, green energy fuel, and then you, you transform into energy to power your battery of your Tesla. So I'm not, I think it's also a question of saying, like, I'm not saying we have to remove all the batteries. And some, like an iPhone, for instance, like a, you cannot really power an iPhone with uh, iron phosphate. So we still need, still need nickel and, and cobalt. But how we can really find solution that we drastically decreasing the demand. And if you're decreasing the demand, what's happening? The pressure on the supply chain uh, decrease. So the price of nickel goes down. If the price of nickel goes down, then it makes no sense for the, for the big uh, mining industry to spend all this money to open a, a new mine at four kilometers down on the ocean floor. So really understanding the whole supply chain and, and stop thinking nationally, like stop thinking uh, you, like the U.S. Uh, emission, for instance. Because when you think about it, for instance, like you see the, um, at the end of the year, you have a re report from U.S. government say we produce X amount of CO2. 
thanks to Tesla and Gigafactory, is false calculation because they have to include the CO2 that we produce in, in Indonesia. Indonesia right? Right. No? Yeah. It's just, you know, because it's one planet because the CO2 that's produced in, 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 in Indonesia <laughs> makes the, the flood and the fire in, in California then. It's a global, we need, we need to start to think about all this problem uh, holistically. You said the iron phosphate that in the batteries that the cars in China are using. Yeah. Do they have a patent or something of on course. that? Like, why is no car manufacturers in the U.S. hopping on that bandwagon? Because in the U.S. there's no there's no battery made in the U.S. period. All battery come from from, from from Japan, South Korea, and China by to start with. But I think Tesla now give an option to get iron phosphate, so it's it's actually coming. You know, so so it's it is good. It is hope and good news. So it's also I think. Uh, um, the message I want to share here for the consumer, like I'm not saying not don't buy a Tesla, but if you have a choice between a Tesla or with with an iron phosphate or another car that produces um, a battery in iron phosphate, go for that one, you know. And it's it's yeah, it's just it just makes common sense. Um, but the, the problem is like they're not communi- there's no communication around that. And but and also in the in the same uh, line of production. We need to think also that uh, we are going to replace all the uh, combustion, cars, trucks, drive, trains, right, diesel or, or gas, for electrical one. And what are we going to do with the old ones? Or we have a, a cemetery? Yeah. One more time, right? Let's wait. Japan. Japan Toyota is right now demonstrating that they can transform any single combustion car, and they are doing with the very old Toyota, like a classic Toyota, to run in hydrogen. Why don't we do that? And we're running away from batteries. They originally, I think their first EV in like 97... In California. Was, well, yeah, it was, was the California. Toyota RAV4. And before, there was another one. that The, 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 the car company make it crash. In the se- in 71, I think it was. Remember that, that the several people voted, bought it, and after the, the oil company went behind them and, and even fined the people because you have a, an electric car. Sure, yeah, and t- took it away and yes, smashed right. them all. That's right. Yeah. So you see, you see it's, not a, it's not an issue that we don't have the idea or this, the, the smart idea to solve the problem. No, it is an issue of money. Yeah. Only money. So why won't the big oil companies transition into these two greener things and make money that way. It's the same, it's the same thinking of an engineer who's building a dam. We told them, I'm a geologist. I said, you know what, you cannot put a dam here because there is a, there is a fault, a geological fault, and every single there is an earthquake, your dam will be destroyed. Which the Italian company said, oh, we put more cement. What does the oil company say? We will lower the price of the oil, so nobody will invest in anything else. Because we invest so much money to extract oil from the bottom of the sea, because they are doing it also, right? That right. 200, 300 meters of water that in the bottom. What are we going to do with all this investment? No. Let's screw it. Let's force everybody to buy oil. That's why. They are doing, though, very cleverly, buying any single pattern that it can go against the use of oil. And some of them, we have seen some of those. I've talked to the guy, one guy from MIT in Boston, who, who had a patent on a different iron phosphate battery, and it was bought by BP. The world never knew, because they, they, it was a threat to the business of oil. So that's why they are never going to do it unless they are forced. And who can force? Everybody listen.
Matt, do you have any final words on your film or the subject matter, what you hope people will get from the film and understand and do in their own personal lives? Good question. Yeah. I mean, I think the film is here to, um, to provoke a, a, an emotional reaction. You know, it's like I, I want people to be mad. You know, I want to be people to be sad. So it's, it's not a very um, hopeful film. It's actually it's a very sad film because uh, we've been celebrating this transition and it's a narrative that the government and the companies uh, have been telling us for some time now. So we have so much uncertainty right now with the climate crisis that people also have this anxiety about what the future looks like. So when you want to, we, you want, we want to think about solution. And what, but what I want to say here is, there is, there is also, I mean, we're talking about now all the solutions. So in order for people really to, to, to make action and to just go for those real solutions, sustainable solutions, you have to be a bit mad. You have to be frustrated, you know. You have to just you have to be hit by something. Otherwise, you just live in complacence and do nothing. So I think it's yeah. I'm I'm hoping that the film will shock. So the film is called Deep Rising, and it is narrated by Jason Momoa, who I have to ask because a lot of people may know him as Aquaman. Aquaman. So like, did he get involved because he now feels like he's the protector of all seas? Like, how did you get him? Oh, absolutely. Board? I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the, I feel like, I mean, we spent the whole day yesterday with him and it is truth, truly, truthfully cares about the ocean. And obviously, there's a branding link to it. I mean, it's 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 a really good fit, I think, to have Aquaman narrating a film about the deep, uh, and someone also have a Polyn Polynesian roots. There's a real connection to the ocean, also. But he really cares. But but also has a very catching uh, tone of voice. So <laughs> and, and and I think that's very important too. He does have a good narrating voice. Yeah. Deep Rising is showing its Sundance right now, so if people want to get a ticket, they still can. But has it been picked up yet for distribution? Do you know if it's going to be seen outside of Sundance? We are waiting for... We are negotiating right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, if anybody wants to learn more about your project, is there a website? Is there deeprising.com? Deeprising.com. Deeprising.com. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're thank welcome. you to Mark. Thank and you. Say hello to everybody listening to this program. And be ready. Even the future looks kind of gloomy, we have things to do. One of the things you should do, all America listening, ask President Biden to sign the Convention of the Law of the Sea. That's a task for you, all Americans. Convention of the, of the Law, Law of, of the, the sea. sea. That's the rules and regulation on who does and who doesn't in, in, the, in the ocean in areas beyond national jurisdiction. And the state has not signed that one. And it's since 1994 that it was created. 168 countries already are signing this, this convention, except the states. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. 
I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.